As you probably know, we as a church, we're in a prayer week at the moment. And prayer weeks like this are powerful. I'm really looking forward to this week ahead. I'll, uh, I'll take part in 24-7 prayer and other, other things that are happening throughout this week. And I'll, I'll really encourage you to do the same. Be a part of this week as much as you possibly can. But what I really dream of is that my life and our life as a church will be saturated by prayer, not just in a week like this, but at all time. So uh, my prayer for this week is that it will be a week that spurs us on in prayer, a week that makes us desire for more of this, that we will be a church of prayer. <laughs> and what better place is there to, to start a week like this than coming to Jesus asking, Jesus, please, will you teach us how to pray? That was the question that the disciples came to Jesus with. We can read about it both in Matthew 6 and in Luke 11, how the disciples came to Jesus with this question. Master, Jesus, teach us how to pray. It wasn't that the disciples didn't pray already. In a Jewish culture at that time, they would be praying at least three times a day. They had certain prayers that they would pray at specific occasions. And, you know, they knew how to recite prayers. Prayer was a part of their life. But still, there was something in the way they saw Jesus communicating with his Father that made them go, Jesus, teach us to pray the way you pray. And in response to their request, Jesus taught them what we call the Lord's Prayer. One of the most known paragraphs of the whole Bible, a prayer that has been prayed for the last 2,000 years and is prayed all over the world today. It's estimated that on one day alone, on Easter Sunday, this prayer is prayed by about two billion people across the world. It is said about this prayer that it is easy enough to be memorized by little children, but uh, profound enough to sustain a lifetime of prayer. Many of you will know this prayer by heart already. It's a prayer that is a prayer in itself, but at the same time, it's like kind of many different forms of prayers in one. Both uh, Martin Luther and C.S. Lewis said this about this prayer. They said, the Lord's Prayer is like a springboard. Go to it and it will take you into all kinds of different areas of prayer and lead to a healthy and balanced prayer life. It's all in there. We've got adoration, submission, intercession, petition, confession, spiritual warfare, it's all there. But before we uh, go to this uh, easily remembered, but yet so profound prayer, I would like to um, start with prayer. And Jesus, I pray that uh, just as you once taught your disciples to pray using this prayer. I pray that you now will uh, take these words again and that you will teach us, that you will uh, 
teach us more about prayer and that we can grow in prayer as we learn from you, Jesus. Amen. I mentioned that this prayer is like a collection of many different forms of prayer. It's like a beautiful diamond with lots of different facets. And Jesus, he starts here with a form of prayer that I, I believe is just the most natural place for him to start. He starts in adoration of his Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus starts simply adoring his Father worshipping him for who he is before anything else. And just as with Jesus, this is the best place we can start, centering ourselves on God, on who he is, our Father, and who we are, his children. That is our identity. We can come to him as our Father, and by teaching us to pray our Father, Jesus is also telling us a lot about God's passion for his relationship with us. And then Jesus continues, hallowed be your name. And right away we are hit by this that can feel like a contrast. I don't know if you feel it, but, but I do. Our Father intimate and close, sitting, seated in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. He is the creator of the universe. It's all by him, through him, and for him. He is worthy, our praise and honor. We come to him in awe of who he is. I had a, oh, such a powerful experience of this first time I did a fast. I had never been fasting before, but I was encouraged to do this three-day fast. And in encouraging me to fast, they told me um, that people told me that, you know, when you fast, people often hear God speaking more clearly than they normally do. And I was like, yeah, I want that. So I put off these three days to fast, and I remember I came into a room that had been given to me as a, as a place where I could seek God. And I, I lay down on the floor, face up with my Bible next to me, and I was like, okay, God, now you speak. And, and I, I had this nonchalant attitude. I was like, well, I put off these three days for you, so now you speak to me. And, you know, that was really my attitude. It was like, God, what's up with you? What are you doing? And the answer came like this. It was as if I heard God speaking. And he said, you know what I'm doing. You know where I am. You have it written right next to you. Revelation 4. And I opened my Bible to Revelation 4. And I was like, do you know what is written in Revelation 4? It's the most breathtaking description of God on the throne in heaven, being worshipped day and night. And I was hit with this fear of God. Who am I to come in front of God with this nonchalant attitude? God seated on the throne in heaven. 
And I had this most incredible experience of God revealing himself to me in all his splendor, in all his beauty, being worshipped, being praised. And probably for the first time in my life, I was hit with the fear of God. You see, it wasn't that it was anything wrong with my question in itself. No, it was my attitude. And I really needed this. I, um, I never had a problem um, picturing God as my loving father, the one that loves me no matter what. But I needed to see God also as my sovereign Lord, the one deserving all my praise and honor. And the beauty of this experience is that it didn't take away anything in my experience of him as my loving father. No, it rather, it, it deepened our relationship. You see, throughout those next few days, God made sure to reveal that side of himself to me again too. He wants us to know him as both. And I don't think I will ever get over this mystery. I don't want to. It is too marvelous to grasp. But still, I rest in this truth. Intimate and close, yet other. My dad, yet worthy all my worship and praise. This truth that makes me crawl, crawl up into his arms, and fall face down in worship all at once. And there, as we come in front of him in adoration, our perspective of everything else also is my right. When we kneel down, adore him, see him for who he is, our father, knowing who we are, his children, then everything else falls into perspective. Even if the situation around me hasn't changed, the way I see it will. And we could be there forever, and, and maybe you want to, but well, yeah, one day you will. One day we will be there in heaven, in front of his throne, and we will worship. But now, while we're still here on earth, we've got other things to do too. And uh, I don't want to ask you to move out of that place of worship and adoration. But I do believe that as we are there, the Spirit will start to move us from a place of adoration and into a place of prayer and intercession. As we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can't think of many words that I have prayed as much as I've prayed these words as my prayer life has grown deeper. I am so grateful to Jesus that he gave us these words to pray. You know, when I'm, when I'm there praying for something that just feels too big or I just, I don't know how to pray, I don't know what to pray, I can't see it. I can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is handing everything over to God, letting him be in control as he should. A while back, my husband and I, we had a conversation about how we 
we didn't feel we were doing life together as closely as we wanted to. Now, he went, went on about with his life, work and company related, and I went on with my things, often church related, and we didn't feel that we kind of carried life together in the way that we wanted. So he came up with this brilliant idea. He, he suggested that we would start every morning together in prayer and kind of handing our day over to God together. So he would pray for his things. And as I heard him pray, you know, my heart would connect in. And then I would pray for my things, the things that I, I was occupied with. And, and then he heard me pray, his heart would connect in. And then slowly we would start praying for each other's things. And we would, you know, do life together. And it, it has been beautiful. I mean, it started as something we decided to do and had to remind ourselves to do. Now it is a natural part of our life, something that happens every morning, Monday through Friday, just as naturally as we eat uh, breakfast, really. And, uh, and it has brought us, you know, it has coming there in front of God in the morning together and just handing all the pieces, bits and parts of our day over and to God and saying, God, your will <laughs> happen in this and kind of handing it all, all over to God together really has made us do life together in a, in a new and deeper way. But it has also, this has also become a place of interceding for people and situation, which is also what this prayer is. Praying this prayer, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's not just kind of submitting to his, his will <laughs> and submitting things into his hand. It's also interceding that his kingdom will come, will break through. And this, this can be, we're we spending this time to pray. It can be to pray that over things at work. It's church-related, family-related, or simply over people, situations in the world that we, we've been made aware of. And sometimes we pray into things where we know what God's will is, and we can pray concrete prayers. You know, God, your word says this, so this is what we pray will happen. But uh, other times, uh, we don't know. So this is also a place to wait on God, to seek him, for him to share what his will is. Not just to pray, but to ask him to reveal what his will is, so that we can work with him. You see, that is what intercession is. It's us working together with God, seeing his will breaking through in situations and lives here on earth. There is this amazing story from Isaiah 37 where we see King Hezekiah, he is interceding on behalf of his nation. And, and then there's this part where God comes to him and says that, um, where God speaks and says simply that, that because you have prayed to me concerning this, this is what I will do. And this is just incredible. Because he prayed, God would do this. That is the power of prayer. Oh, there is so much beauty in the Lord's Prayer. Already in the first word of the prayer, Jesus is teaching us something, uh, something important. By using that word, our Father, Jesus is teaching us that this is something we do together. When you pray this prayer, 
you pray together with the global church and 2,000 years of Christian history, he is our father. And in there, there is a whole message in itself. But, but at this point, I just, I just have to share an incredible prayer answer that I was made aware of just a few weeks ago. Back in uh, 2021, Croydon, which is the area where my everyday church venue is placed, uh, was given the name Knife Crime Capital of London. 2021 was the worst year on record uh, for, for teenage murders in London, and Croydon topped that list. Nowhere else were there as many teenage killings as in Croydon. And I remember that year so clearly. I remember it was as if it felt like we heard about teenage killings all the time. And the youngest person that got killed in knife crime was 14 years old. It was heartbreaking. And we prayed. I remember we went on a prayer walk in Croydon with this on our heart. God, this has to stop. God, your kingdom break through. You have your way. Turn this. Do something, God. This has to stop. And then as uh, 2022 progressed, somehow I didn't think anything more about this until a few weeks back I went to a prayer meeting in Croydon, a prayer meeting where all uh, yeah, churches together in Croydon are gathered. And, uh, and here, uh, one of the pastors from another church came up front and said, you know, as we're praying, let us also give praise to God for what he's doing and what he has done. And then he brought us back to the end of 2021 when, when he had seen this report. And, uh, and he told how, about how him and, and several other church leaders from different churches in Croydon had gathered and gone out on the street of Croydon and gone from place to place, praying, interceding for the city. And, and, and there they had, they had knelt down in these different areas and, and just called out, God, enough is enough. At one place, the police had even cleared the, the road for them so that they together could kneel down and, and call out, God, enough is enough. Break through, have your way, stop this evil. This is um, an article from the beginning of this year, 2023. How uh, Croydon went from being the knife crime capital of London to uh, a place with no teenage death in 2022. How did that happen? How could it turn from that to this? Yes, there is lots of good initiatives going on in Croydon, good people working in this area, but, but I believe it takes more than that. It takes a miracle. And what does God's word say? say? It says, when his people, who is called by his name, humble themselves and pray, he will hear from heaven and he will heal their land. This is the God we serve. This is the God we get to work together with, interceding for our land. Oh, 
And Jesus, he is so good, isn't he? As we are there, praying for the big stuff, you know, and to knife crime, praying for God's kingdom to break through. He lovingly brings the focus back on you and says, it is time to pray. Give us our, today our daily bread. I was leading in a Bible college once, and I remember one of our Bible students, he, when we talked about this, which is basically petition request, he said, I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't come to God with my own needs. I mean, God has, God, God has the world to care about. I, I, I can't bother him with, with my small things. And, and this was really real to him. He was a Christian. He knew God. And he, and he was praying. He was praying for the big stuff, you know, the end to knife crime things. But, but he really struggled with seeing that he could come to God with his own needs. For me, that thought was completely foreign, as I've, I've always come to God with my own needs and the needs, you know, the, the detailed needs of the people around me too. And I've, I've never thought that that would be something too small or something I, I can't bother God with. But maybe you have. Maybe you recognize yourself in this Bible student and, and you, you get how God wants you to pray for the big stuff that, you know, end to poverty, end to war, for, for revival, his kingdom to come. But when it comes to your own personal needs? If that is you, then you need to hear this. For the sake of your own relationship with God, you need to pray this prayer too. Give us today our daily bread. See, when you come to God with your requests, it does something to your relationship. You are vulnerable and you admit that you need him. Prayer is friendship with God. And Jesus, he taught us to pray also this prayer for your own need's sake, yes, whatever that need might be, but also because it's the right thing to do. When you uh, come to him in petition for your own sake or, or the sake of, of people around you, you acknowledge God as the provider, and that brings honor to God. So uh, never hold back in coming to God, asking him to provide for your daily needs. And in this, it is practical, physical need, but also the spiritual. Jesus says about himself that he's the bread of life. Bread speaks about more than just physical needs, Bread also talks about our covenant with God. This is what we remember in the communion. Jesus being the bread of life, his body being broken for our sake. Jesus came to restore our relationship with our heavenly father, which uh, again brings us to the prayer of confession. Forgive us our sin as we forgive each other. Has it all ever dawned on you as strange that this prayer comes so far down on this list? You know, shouldn't we start with that, getting ourselves right with God before we approach God with anything else? I think it is beautiful that uh, first so far down, Jesus goes, well, now 
let us get you right with God. And I think in doing that, he is teaching us something about forgiveness. Do you remember at the beginning of our Vision and Value uh, series, Simon was preaching a a preach on on God the Father, and in there he was sharing this story about the prodigal son. And as he talked about the the father in this story, he said that as the father saw the son approaching, he ran towards the son and threw himself around his neck and kissed him, even before the son got to start on his I'm-so-sorry speech. I think it's, um, it's natural for us uh, humans to think that we first have to confess before we can get anywhere with God. But both in the story of the prodigal son and also here in the way Jesus teaches us to pray, we see that God first starts with his blessing. Give us today our daily bread, which leads us to confession. We love because he loved us first. And in light of his goodness, we respond with, God, forgive me. But still, this is such an important prayer to pray. And if you've never prayed this prayer, this is the prayer that that brings you into a relationship with God. It is our sins that stands between us and God. And only through receiving the forgiveness that that Jesus made available to us on the cross when he took his sin on himself. Only through that can we come to God and have a relationship with him. So if if you've never never prayed this prayer and if you've never received uh, the forgiveness that Jesus um, brought to you by shedding his blood on the cross, but you want to, then I, I can't move on here before giving you a chance to pray that prayer. As it's, it's the most important prayer you will ever pray. So if you would like to invite Jesus into your life, then I am, you know, receive forgiveness. Then I'll invite you to pray with me now as I pray. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me on the cross. I thank you that you... Uh, provided forgiveness for my sins and I I come to you now God in confession and I pray that you will forgive me I receive your forgiveness Jesus and I receive you into my life as my Lord and Savior and I pray that you will help me to live every day for the rest of my life for you amen Amen. If you pray that prayer, I will encourage you to let somebody around you know, um, a Christian that can help you in your journey, getting to know God as your father. But even after praying that prayer, which we often call the prayer of salvation, you know, first time coming to Jesus and say, yes, thank you, forgive me, and I receive your forgiveness. Even after that, we as, his ch- as God's children, we still need to stop up at times and go, look at our life and go, oh, we need to stop up regularly and, and go, God, I, I mess up. God, what I did there was wrong, and I pray that you will forgive me knowing that he will. And Jesus also teaches us to pray, forgive me as I forgive 
as we forgive others. We're doing an Alpha course at the moment, and a few weeks ago we were talking a, a lot about the topic of forgiveness, and I think it was clear to all of us that forgiveness isn't easy. I mean, it's not a given that, we for, that we're able to forgive others. But then we heard this testimony by uh, Corrie ten Boom, a lady that lived through the horror of uh, concentration camps in the Second World War, and she told the story of how God had enabled her to forgive a prison guard that she had seen beating her sister, her sister that later on died in that camp. And she finishes her testimony with these words. She says, uh, can you forgive? No, neither can I, but he can. And there in him extending his forgiveness to us, that is what enables us to forgive others. This prayer of confession is also a praise, place where you can be honest with God about this. God, I don't have the power to forgive. I can't, but you can. Please, God, help me. Bring me to that place where I can, in truth, pray these words. Forgive me my sins as I also forgive others. And then Jesus finishes with these words, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus was aware of evil around uh, in the world and looking around in the world, we can see the devil at work too. So Jesus ends his prayer here with uh, teaching us about spiritual warfare. This is a picture that my uh, niece drew the other day. She spent some time with God and she felt God reminding her about uh, the armor that we have in him. This armor that uh, the Apostle Paul teaches us about in Ephesians 6, where he says that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the evil powers at work around us. And I don't have time to go in depth into the different parts of this armor, but this is how Paul teaches us to fight or to stand against the devil and all that comes with him. So when you pray this prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil, you might at time find that you need to remind yourself about this armor. Might it be the a breastplate of righteousness or the belt of truth or the, the helmet of salvation or the, the shield of faith or the, the shoes that comes from the readiness that the gospel of peace gives or, or the sword, God's word. And, and do as Paul encourages us to do. In prayer, dress yourself in this armor. And this is where Jesus ends his teaching on prayer. This prayer, which is simple enough for little children to memorize it, and yet profound enough to sustain a whole lifetime of prayer. Just as I was finishing my preparation on this preaching, a friend shared some photos on a prayer group that we have, uh, photos of a room that she had turned into a prayer room. And sharing about this room, she wrote, I am in love with prayer again. And this room is a lovely place to go deeper with him. I'm praying for, for you all right now from this little prayer, soaking, abiding, resting, rejoicing war room.
This is what the prayer is, all of us. And as you pray the Lord's Prayer, you might find that sometimes you will just pray through it like that, as a prayer in itself. Other times you might find that God makes you stop up in a, one of the areas and spend extra time with him there, maybe in, in adoration or in intercession or in warfare and confes- confession or petition. Let the Spirit lead you as you pray. And I am praying for all of us right now. And I pray, God, that you will take all of us on this journey of going deeper with you and that we, all of us, will grow and that you will take us to that place where we all can say, I am in love with prayer. Amen.